we'll just uh, let give uh, people time to uh, just come in, guys, and uh, settle down, find their chairs, get a cup of tea, usual stuff. I do miss live events, I have to say. <laughs> so everyone's filtering nicely. So good afternoon, everybody, and uh, welcome to yet another uh, Fashion Network uh, webinar. Uh, today's webinar is going to be looking at how virtual reality is changing the fashion industry. Um, we've got two great speakers here, Dan and Jen from Brand Lab Fashion, um, and we'll be doing a little bit of uh, discussion with those two. Uh, and also during the webinar, you'll have chance to see uh, some of, uh, well, you'll have chance to have a demo uh, of Brand Lab Fashion as well. So looking forward to that. Um, just a few housekeeping rules. Uh, so if you've got any comments or questions to ask, there is a chat facility here on Zoom. Um, we'd prefer if you put it in that. There's, there's also a Q&A uh, facility, but that doesn't get checked as often as we find. So there is a chat facility. I see some of you have also found the uh, raising your hand function. So if you do use the raising your hand function, what it'll allow us to do is actually switch on your mic and you can actually ask Dan and Jen directly a question via audio. I would actually prefer if you did do that because it means I'd have to read stuff out. Uh, takes me back to uh, uh, school and I have to read out poems in assembly. So I'd rather not do that. But anyway, but if you have got any questions, feel free to put it in chat or raise your hands. Um, what we're going to do is rather than just us go through the discussion today and then have uh, go to the floor afterwards, like I say, just feel free to drop your questions in as and when, and we'll just introduce it uh, when there's a break in the conversation. Um, so today's, as I said, today's uh, webinar is all about how VR is changing fashion. These are our discussion points. So we'll be looking at online fashion showrooms, uh, fashion trade shows. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about digital catwalks and um, how they're benefiting brands, uh, digital avatars and 3D modeling. And then we'll have a bit of a discussion about the future of, of the wholesale business. And within all of this, um, we will, Dan and Jen will be uh, showing us off some of their software. So yeah, it should be informative, uh, entertaining, and hopefully you guys out there should uh, get some useful insights from us. Um, without further ado, I'm gonna introduce Dan and Jen. Um, guys, can I just get you both to sort of introduce yourselves, a little bit about your career history as well. So yeah, over to you. Thanks, Dale. And uh, yeah, thanks for having us and hi everyone. Um, my name's Dan O'Connell. This is Jen Drury. Um, we're the co-founders of Brand Lab. Um, briefly about myself, I was actually in, in finance for, for many, many years and uh, got invited to invest in a fashion brand a long time ago and, and kind of got the fashion bug there. Um, it's at the fashion brands where I met Jen, but, um, but basically, to cut a very long story short, I was frustrated with um, some of the sales channels and, and the expense of kind of um, attending all the trade shows or, or you know, um, pop-up showrooms and, and, and the like and fashion shows, but also in the inefficiencies of the ordering process. Um, I think we only had a couple of hundred clients in about 12 countries, but it just seemed to be very cumbersome to do business. Um, and it was around that time that the, the kind of the idea of a, a digital solution in what was then in wholesale fashion was starting to come to my mind. Um, so yeah, that's my, my brief career history. <laughs> Yeah. Um, again, a very, very different career um, than anything in fashion. Um, I started off working for local government for a government funded charity, um, largely based around recruitment. Um, so that was kind of my background. Um, as Dan said, we met when um, he had a fashion brand. I actually had a, a number of retail stores that I um, used to buy Dan's brand. So I became one of his customers. Um, and then, um, again, very frustrated with the buy-in channels, um, the cumbersome processes of having to buy from so many different brands. Um, and yeah, just, just very expensive and inefficient ways of doing things. So I think that was our aim really to kind of um, make sure that we could make things more accessible and more efficient and cost effective for both brands and buyers in the industry. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Dan. Um, we've, oh, and by the way, we're all Welsh on here today. It's the first of all Welsh. <laughs> Welsh chair, Welsh panel. So, um, if uh, <laughs> any of you guys out there don't get any of our jokes, uh, forgive us. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm just going to stop sharing so we can just see each other a little bit better. Um, so yeah, so my first discussion point really is just a little bit about, um, you know, like Jen, you were just talking about how you used to buy Dan's brand and stuff, and how mm -hmm. the whole fashion showroom thing is um, has changed. And Dan, we've been chatting for pretty much 
lockdown, I think. I think I met you properly in March and it was, things have changed quite heavily for you. So can you just talk a little bit about the progression of how online fashion showrooms have, have just sort of like just gone, you know, next level over the last three to six months? Yeah, um, obviously we, you know, no one knew that the dreadful pandemic was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, Brand Lab, we've been working on it for a number of years now. Um, I think what what the pandemic has done, though, is it's brought forward perhaps maybe the inevitable that was going to happen in maybe three to four years, and it's brought it to now. Um, Whereas digital solutions, virtual showrooms, virtual trade shows, catwalk shows, and all these other things were maybe a nice to have before, and maybe, dare I say it, in some some people's eyes, a gimmick, um, it it became the case that some people literally needed this type of solution to continue to trade. Um, so so it, it did go very busy for us and other companies like us, as you can imagine. And it's also brought on a whole load of um, new entrants to the market, which we welcome, which is really good. So I think the industry is definitely accelerating towards the use of virtual reality and, and, and digitization. But I think what for me, what's been good about it is how, to be fair, in the industry, especially the wholesale industry, there's, you know, there's kind of agents who have been doing it the kind of face-to-face way, meeting and greeting their clients for 30 or 40 years have all of a sudden had to become kind of experts in tech. And I think the way some people have embraced the new technologies has been phenomenal because although they maybe have been forced to, to use it because there's no other choice, they're now glad they have because they can see the benefits of, uh, of digital in, in our industry. It's always, it's always, a, it's always beggared belief for me. It's, it's, I've never understood why consumers can buy clothes digitally. And yet the wholesale side of the business is still, you know, I'll, I'll meet you at three, go for a coffee, have a few beers afterwards, you know. I mean, Jen, what's your perspective? Have you, have you, how have you, because obviously you come from more of a buying background, what, what, how, yeah. can, you know, how have you noticed things have changed? Um, well, I think I agree with you. I think we, we still can't believe how much of the industry is uh, exactly as you say. So certainly obviously you have the trade show industries, but just the, the showroom appointments are, like you said, more about, you know, a coffee, a quick look through the collection, and then a, and a couple of drinks afterwards. So I think we're um, we're definitely seeing a lot of cost restrictions in larger buyers now. So that that's huge in our industry at the moment for for brands. Um, so they have to react in a way that is going to save their bigger buyers money and make it more efficient for them. And I think smaller buyers again don't have the time to leave their independent stores or you know if they are a little bit bigger they don't have the, the money to be able to kind of uh, support that process any longer so we, you know it has to change really. I think I, I think that's true but also the the relationship side is really important it's a cultural thing yeah. I think it's, it's not so much that people haven't wanted to use digital it's just the culture hmm. of show and visits trade show uh, meetings because relationships are really important in fashion and they always will be um and I think our, our big challenge was to try and fuse the gap between digitization, but trying to keep things immersive. And this mm-hmm. is why virtual reality is really important. So if you take our um, one of our products, the VR showroom product, we have an integrated uh, video chat on there. So it means that the, the salesperson and the buyer or the relationships can get together in an immersive environment and at least feel at least feel like they're with their peers because nothing can replace face to face and you know and 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 that we know that but um digital can certainly be a really good enhancement yeah i think as well just just quickly following on from that it's it's all about i think relationships are the most important in wholesale fashion i think the reason that it's it's easier to sell e-commerce direct to consumers because you know they still see the high street stores so the brand is still able to reach that that market and tell their story and that was one of the biggest things that we wanted to get across for our brands is that they want to be able to tell that story and, and you know, show that um, the way in which their collection works for them and, and the ideas behind it and, and really tell the brand story and, and the brand DNA. So I think it's really important now that brands are able to do that rather than just use a standard B2B e-commerce website. They're able to be a lot more interactive and you know, showcase mm-hmm. their brand in a much more immersive way. It's almost forced the issue, isn't it, really? I mean, I yeah. know loads of agents and I've been around loads of showrooms and loads of trade shows and it's you know I often do wonder like you know a lot of these agents spend fortunes on having fancy showrooms for 12 months of the year and it's like probably only working those showrooms for probably a month of the year really if you actually condense it all into time so I often wonder why that shift hasn't changed from a wholesale perspective and I suppose lockdown has is you know it's obviously benefit you guys but it's made people think again you know and maybe the wholesale end of the business is now catching up with with the consumer and um, we've got a hand up here Bissy if, if if you've got a question great leave your hand up if you haven't do you want to just 
put it down again. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, like I say, if anyone's got questions, just feel free to, or comments, just feel free to put in the chat um, and um, or put your hand up. Uh, so yeah, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, because obviously I want to try and touch a little bit on the wholesale side of it, because obviously that's where you guys are sort of living very much, but also be good to chat about how, from a consumer point of view as well, at some stage towards the end of the discussion, how things, how VR is changing the whole experience uh, of purchasing fashion here. But can we just talk a little bit more then about trade shows? And, and you know, I mean, I've been speaking to a few trade show providers recently um, you know, with the work we do at the Fashion Network. And so it's quite interesting because some of the big guys have, you know, mentioned their names. They're just in trade show, trade show, trade show, trade show. We've got to get people together. But, you know, what, what do you see the future? Are we going to go back to trade shows as they were? Or do you think it's going to be a bit combined? Are people going to use digital trade shows like you guys? Or what do, how I, do you I see? Hope, um, I sincerely hope that trade shows, you know, will come back. Um, I got a lot of respect for trade show industry. There's some brilliant people who work in it. And, and I feel, I actually feel for a lot of people in that industry because obviously... By, by sheer economics of what's gone on. And there's a lot of really good people losing jobs in that industry at the moment. So I think we all hope that that'll get back to, to what it was. But I think um, it's, it's very interesting with, with, with digital. I think trade show providers have probably been quite slow to, mm-hmm. to, to embrace digitalization. And, not, um, and because you, you have to remember, stuff like what we do is not designed to replace trade shows or replace show visits. It's designed to enhance it. So if you think... Um, if you think at a trade show, say that 15,000 people visit um, a trade show, um, what you'll find is that there was probably over 100,000 applications um, for those passes and, and trade show providers factor that in. So 15,000 people turn up, but there was 85,000 people who showed interest and registered and didn't turn up. I think digital trade shows can try and kind of, you know, bridge that 85% gap. Mm but also enhance the model. I mean, obviously there's, there's no choice at the moment. And I, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's quite a bleak outlook for the next couple of years because I think most analysts will say that the amount of travel in the fashion supply chain will take ages to get anywhere near what it was. Um, now, now that's something that may be a good thing because the sustainability and things like that, but it doesn't help the trade show industry. I think to answer your question, hopefully the model will be a thriving trade show industry there's a bit of a hybrid model where they have kind of digital versions attached to um uh, maybe a more curated face-to-face environment where there's face-to-face appointments rather than just you know fifteen thousand people all just buzzing around one big building but um yeah i certainly hope it gets back to where it was but i think certainly now the companies out there who have embraced digitization and will be the ones who will be on the front foot and i think to add to that, some of the trade show companies that have done all the fashion weeks, London Fashion Week and all that, I don't think they've gone far enough because they've, they, they've kind of advertised that they're going to replace the show with a virtual show. But really, people have just been directed to pre-recorded videos, um, lives and e-commerce sites of brands or B2B e-commerce sites of brands. No real immersiveness. I think they have to go further and create immersive environments in 3D where people think they're with their peers. It feels more immersive. It feels like you're with people, even though you're not. And that's the sort of experiential side of it, isn't it, really, which you're talking about? Is And what else can... Well, I mean, what else can digital bring to the party? And, and, and what can real-world trade shows bring from digital into their trade shows? Can you, Are there any specific examples you can talk about of how you can knit yeah. these two things together? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we've recently um, were approached by Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia. Um, so obviously they um, they still actually held a number of physical events this year, um, okay. but they wanted to reach a bigger audience than usual. So this isn't really just about them reaching their normal audience. This is about them, you know, having a, a global audience that they're able to target and, and obviously a lot more cost effective than, than, than usual. Um, so for, for Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week in Russia, we were able to create kind of like a trade show experience so that buyers were able to approach brands directly but they were also able to see the live show as if they were you know as if they were there in the audience from a three uh, 360 perspective so people weren't actually missing out so you know it basically created 
a bit of a hybrid environment. And I think that definitely works because there's a lot of people that want to view these events, want to be there, but can't for whatever reason, whether that be cost or distance, you know. So it's mm. um yeah, it's certainly an, an extra that we're able to create. I think I think the big thing is with digital, there's no limitation on square footage or space. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can have or, or what even you want. reach, I guess, as well, because yeah. even what we discovered with these webinars we're doing now, we're getting people from New York, from from yeah. as far afield as Delhi, and you know, yeah, just, yeah. You know. I think, and that offset sets the fact that let's face it, it's it, it's going to be always better to be there touching and feeling fabric. Of course, it mm -hmm. always is, yeah. but rather than maybe you know because of cost or time, you can only have a small booth at a trade show. You could create you know as you know a ten thousand square foot booth with yeah. all the imagery you want yeah. all the media you want all the assets yeah. you want and we're, we're increasingly being approached by brands to create environments because basically we create um bespoke environments that can look exactly like a, a an existing physical showroom or store mm -hmm. or, or wherever um all the way through to how you where your imagination can take you so we're having brands approach us saying well we've got a kind of galactical marketing campaign can you create a showroom in space for us and of course we can we've created showrooms in the alps for um for a brand that had a marketing campaign around around that so it's 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 really good because obviously fashion people are really creative the people within brands are really creative they can use their imagination to create anything and we use techniques such as cgi and digital design to create these 3d environments but crucially allow them to speak face-to-face -face via the live video chat within the environments and move around together so it feels really immersive. Well, should we, um, should we have a little bit of a, a little bit of a look then? Uh, of yeah, what you yeah sure. Definitely. Daniela, yeah, sure. you're still there. Um, if, if you are, can you bring up the... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah that Danielle's just controlling uh, from, from her screen, but as you can see here, this is actually a, a replica of uh, Barber's uh, showroom in North London, literally down to the, the staircase, the flooring, the, um, you know, the, the light switches, everything else. And as Danny flicks around the scenes on the bottom, you get to view their collections. Um, you can zoom in on them. The, just, just very interestingly, the info tags you see there, basically a, a selection of mini web browsers. So um, in this case, they're connected to a B2B ordering system that we uh, designed and created for them. Obviously you have to log in, so we can't show pricing, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but also within there is things like video 360 spins. And that's interesting as well, because the richer the asset we receive from the brand, the richer to the, the show that we can create for them. We, we've never had any of these items uh, that are hanging on the rails there. We're just given 2D images, we digitize them and we put them on fake rails, as you can see there. Um, I don't know if you want to flick over to the June one, Dan, uh, just to show a different type of render. So this is a, a, uh, a press day showroom that we did for June. As you can see, very luxurious feel to it, very realistic. And this is all done in digital design and you can kind of zoom into the shelves and see the products close up. And then when you do that again, you can open up whatever media you want, whether it be 360 spin video, catwalk videos, you know, really okay. high, high res photos. Um, and the, this is really interesting as well, Dale, because um, we've used a certain type of render which the brand wanted in here. But um, if Danny just flicks over, Dan, can you just flick over to the uh, the Denver thing? Um, this is something we've just done for a real estate company um, and we've used full CGI, so it's really realistic. Uh, this, this is an apartment block that's not even been built yet. And we've remodeled it so that the prospective buyers can go in there live with an estate agent and have a walk around the apartments. Do you want to just flick over to the pool Danny and just show kind of the render of that and then maybe one of the apartments you know we've we, we literally um recreated that whole environment so rather than selling from a brochure they can sell by walking people around and I only just wanted to show this to show the quality of the CGI that, that can be created if need be uh, and, and then finally Danny will show you the um a bit about Mercedes Fashion Week it's, it was called pop-up shop um we created kind of like a, tr a trade show style floor where there was, I think, 18 of their brands, um, you know, had a booth. And, and buyers were able to go over to the designer, click our call button and speak to the designer face-to-face -face on their stand. So obviously this moves a little bit into the, uh, the trade show environments. Mm -hmm. So it, it's pretty cool. But one thing to reiterate on our platform, um, you'll see down the bottom of Danny's screen, there's four white icons down the bottom. 
the one in the middle there she's hovering over called shared viewing it, it is for me the most important bit of our tech because we we go back to relationships and how important they are in fashion if danny clicked that now obviously we're on zoom and a webinar so we can't use our camera and video but we could send the link that appears when you click that to every single person on this webinar they could just copy it to um you know we could uh, whatsapp them email them on a phone, Mac, iPad, anything, and they will be in there with us. So it just makes you feel like you're a little bit more connected to your um, to, to your peers. You're, you're in there with them and you're moving around with them. So the face-to-face -face video chat for us is really, really key. Because Zoom is great, but it's static. Like, obviously, I can't be in there with Danny. She's just doing her thing and we're all watching. But when you share the link and you're in there together, it's your controlled. You can work it together. You can walk around together. So the inference there is is that when buyers go into a showroom, you know, when the, um, I don't know, the, the, the salesperson from Barber or June or Sachi is with the buyer from Harrods or John Lewis, in real life, the buyer walks over and says, what about this over here? Can you tell me about this? What, you know, and what, how can I create an assortment here? Well, we can do that with dual controls in these 3D environments. So uh, it's pretty exciting. And I think mm. the tech of CGI and things is getting so strong now that we can make things so realistic that, we, we've done shows where people have said they thought it was photographs and not digital design. Mm. So it's uh, that the, the tech is really moving forward. Great. Thanks, Dan. Um, anything else you want to show or can we have our screen back, Daniel? <laughs> did, did, did you want? Yeah. I was just going to say, unless you want, lot wanted to see a bit of the brand lab world development but uh that, we can fine. we can come come to that towards the end come if you like that, yeah yeah because um, we've got a couple of questions in so bissy's got a question what about the higher end of the market where you have to have one-on-one -on -one with your customers um bissy are you talking about um can you answer that or because i'm not sure whether you mean yeah sure definitely yeah um so obviously as dan mentioned there the, the most important function of the technology is the is the face-to-face -face, uh video yeah. conferencing so basically you can book an appointment system where exactly as you would in a, in, in a normal static showroom you would book appointments with all of your um your customers your buyers and then you could see them one by one and we have a number of um not just um high-end brands but lot, quite a few high-end luxury showrooms that have begun using our technology now to be able to you know to, to kind of still give that vip experience and not just to send out line sheets or pdfs but actually to make that that buyer um still feel very important in the process so i think that the one-on-one -on -one, um situation is very easy for us to replicate because you know you can spend as long in the showroom with that customer as you would in mm. real life and then on the on the trade show side of things even though we could create you know a model where there's 500 vendors in a trade show um, basically, the, the link could go out uh, to unlimited people to walk around and browse. But then when they want to speak to someone one to one, they can click the call button. And we, we effectively have like a matchmaking service where yeah. they can have an appointment with someone on the stand during the privately. course of the day, one to one privately. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of uh, you kind of eliminate that. Um, oh, yeah, Dan, I didn't know you were here, mate, when you're having yeah, a private exactly. conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about that's margins. Right, really. and, yeah. So that's quite cool. Uh, I've got another question here as well. Um, and this is sorry, the things sound like I'm Natalie from Milan. How can digital give the sense of touch so important for fabrics? Uh, I work for a luxury Italian fashion brand. Touch is our DNA. Well, yeah, you could also ask that um, question I, from e yeah, you could I was going to say that I think that's so one of the things that we always say is these digital showrooms are never going to replace the actual physical appointments mm -hmm. that you, you will have with your buyers and I think the the ideal situation is when you have a number of buyers so we work with like we said, a large established brands and those brands will have, um, you know, customers that are already very aware of the quality and the touch and feel of their product. And I think that's where the product works very well. Um, obviously, again, we're not looking to replace the existing, um, you know, showroom appointment or trade show. It is purely an enhancement. And I think the way in which it can work and it has worked for a number of our brands is, um, obviously prior to lockdown is that you would have um, a showroom appointment so you can send out the link not only prior to the appointment but post appointment 
assortment with the assortment included and then the buyer then can go back into the the showroom have a second look around look at their selection and you know obviously um, you know just take a little bit more time over the process and one of the things that has been really encouraging to us as a business is that each individual order value for all of our well, many of our brands has dramatically increased and I think when you're in a showroom appointment it is very difficult to kind of to find the amount of time whether it be from a cost or time poor point of view um, you know to be able to, to to really take your time over that and I think it's just going to increase the you know each order value for each, each individual yeah. customer as we go at, along. At the moment we get around the, the the fabric question the touch and feel question which is a really good question mm. is is probably the the question that's been asked to us from day one and and, and it's very valid because obviously at the moment it's not tech to replicate that at the moment, brands, people who use our service get around it. If, if we've, if, if a buyer in America is connected with a European brand via our platform, uh, sometimes the, the buyer might, uh, sorry, the brand might send one sample or a swatch or something in the, in the post of doing things a bit manual, but just to get around it. Um, there is technology that will come in the future that, that will help. It's, it's some of it's being developed at an early stage now where there'll be kind of like gloves which you can connect to your computer which will send you know sensory gloves basically that can replicate different fabrics as you click an item probably a couple of years away but it's definitely in the offing but of course you can't for luxury brands you can never replicate the, the touch yeah. and feel but what you can do is still meet people in your showroom physically so they can touch and feel but also the people who couldn't make it the people who didn't turn up couldn't fly you know you can get your virtual links to all these people in the world even as a marketing tool to make more of them look and think, ah, I want to go and touch and feel that fabric. I'm yeah. going to fly to Milan. So, so it's, it's not a marketing tool as well. Yeah, you're you're no, saying it's not either or, is it? It's a bit of not, a not at all. And I think that goes to say it's it's following exactly following the consumer process. So I don't think that if we'd have had this conversation 10 years ago about buyers spending what they do on Net-a-Porter, far-fetched luxury sites, then, you know, we certainly wouldn't have uh, expected that to be happening. Mm -hmm. So I think the wholesale industry is very much following the retail industry in that way. Yeah, yeah. about time. <laughs> uh, another yeah. question here. Um, what reasons do brands give to invest into VR when they have been getting sales through their websites? Who wants to pick that up? Um, okay, so on, on the wholesale side, I, I assuming that question is more around B2C, mm -hmm. um, this is really interesting because um, it's a whole new conversation on virtual reality and B2C. So we, we're in current negotiations and literally just signed a deal with with quite a large company where they're going to embed a virtual store in their e-commerce website now we all know that loads of big e-com players are trying all sorts of things to make e-com shopping a bit more fun and a bit more immersive asos are doing the um, augmented reality stuff you know you've got the stuff where you can try stuff on and insert yourself into the environment um vr shopping is going to be really cool because we all like shopping online, but it can be a bit cumbersome. The, the drop-off rates of people who put stuff in baskets and then don't continue because their attention gets diverted elsewhere is, is quite strong. What VR shopping for e-com can do is, one, you feel like you're walking around a store, which is a much nicer experience. Two, you can have a shop assistant there live face-to-face, -face, so it replicates the store environment. Or even using our video tech, you can invite your friends to go shopping with you. So mm -hmm. we... we We've already got the tech where you could be in a JD Sports store and invite a number of your friends and all of you are there on the chat as you walk around the store looking at items. So I just think, again, it's an enhancement to e-com mm. shopping, yeah. uh, 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 which is a bit different to the norm that we all know and love. Yeah, I think we, we talked about brand DNA and telling the story. And I think a lot of it is due to merchandising. And that is something that you're obviously able to do a lot easier in a, in a replicated physical environment than it is in a just on an e-com kind of uh, website, whether that be B2B or B2C. Okay, cool. There's a couple more questions here that I'd like to just run through quickly, if that's okay. And then I've, I want to start talking about catwalks and the avatars, if that's all right. So sure. this question from Anil is, what is the technical imp implementation plan? Um, I'm assuming he means in terms of onboarding to... Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Anil, if it's not, if that's, if I've misread your question, sorry, do you want to just put your hand up? You can ask it directly. But if not, do you want to just try and answer it as best you can? Yeah, sorry. sure. Uh, we have a very specific onboarding process, and it's kind of been developed over the last few years when it comes to when we previously had our our B two B um, ecom product, and and obviously now with the um, the virtual showrooms, and it's it's a very specific product, uh, a very specific process where uh, when brands 
sign the contract with us and decide to go ahead with the virtual showroom, we initially um, take the assets from them. So whether or not they have their own assets um, or they want us to do that for them. So we have a, a very large studio in, in Wales and obviously we have one in America as well. Um, so we, we either complete that process for them or they send us the assets. So they send us the images um, they will decide whether they want a template showroom or a, a bespoke showroom. So that's obviously very much part of the process and part of the cost. Um, if they want a bespoke showroom, they get a number of appointments with our digital developers where they will obviously um, you know, be quite involved in the process of creating something. Um, and obviously we have a number of template showrooms that they're able to access as well. So in terms of that process from the very beginning, um, it's very simple for them to send us their assets. If they do take a, a template showroom, it can be turned around very, very quickly. And then the process continues with regards to whether they want to use our B2B or whether they have their own. Um, and again, so it, it very much depends on whether they have the assets or whether they want to, to create that for them. The, the, the onboarding process is an interesting one because um, it's certainly a lot quicker than obviously physical. So if you're building a showroom and you're shop fitting it and building it all out and doing the rails, our record is for a kind of small amount of product. I think we, we had a showroom uh, assets given to us in the morning, 2D photographs, and we, uh, we had it done by the end of the day. But that brings up another point as well about re-merchandising. Um, the reason that the fashion industry goes on the seasons or certain company work the seasons is because the physical constraints of supplying their showrooms, stocking their showrooms all around the world and getting it ready for their selling seasons. Um, we've had brands already who have said, right, you've built our showroom, 200 products for spring, summer, brilliant. Can you just remove those three rooms and have one room for our 30 best sellers? We're going to try an in-season sale. We're like, yeah, we can do that in half a day. Hmm. We can we can then do another show in the month after. It's starting to make people change the way they're selling because unlike physical, where you'd have to, if you want to re-merchandise and rebrand a showroom, you've got to get a shop fitness in, you've got to get the decorators in and everything else. With digital, there's there's no constraints. So all of a sudden, there's brands. We have one in Australia. They, they're starting just to release 25 products a month in a virtual showroom by us. Yeah. So it's 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 very interesting how quick we can onboard quicker yeah, than the physical space. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's changing the old uh, two season drops. You know, well, then again, yeah. fashion fast fashion's changed that anyway, hasn't it? As well. You know? yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of brands are frustrated with having to follow the fashion calendar so closely. Obviously, because of trade shows and because of uh, fashion shows. So I think it's really important for them to be able to have access to a, you mm -hmm. know their global market and when they want it cool i'm just conscious of time here guys so i've got a few other questions that i'd like to um uh just run through if we can sort of try and keep them fairly briefish if possible because there's a few things we want to go through we want to get to the avatars and there's a question again from Bissy about catwalks we'll get to that in a bit don't worry about that but the question i want is uh for small businesses how much should they have in order to have a good experience with with their customers how much in terms of uh, money or how yeah, um, Joshua, uh, do you want to? Do you want to? Just um, I'll move on to the next question. But Joshua, if you want to clarify that question for us, just yeah. If, if if it's with regards to cost, still, um, it's, it's quite arbitrary because um, our, our costs depend on the amount of product, whether it's a bespoke showroom. But what I would say is that our contracts go yes, from cost. a very small amount yeah. all the way up to hundreds of thousands of pounds. Mm -hmm. But for for a small brand with not a you know, punitive amount of products, you could probably get a VR showroom done for the whole year for the cost of less than attending one trade show. Okay. So there's um, two questions here actually about costs as well. Natalie's popped up again and said, so, I mean, I guess what you're saying from a cost point of view, it's, it's not the same as going to a huge trade show. You could, there is, there is the entry level's a bit easier. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Entry level for a whole year of having a, a VR show would be less than uh, exhibiting at a, a decent trade show, but obviously you then have got your show three, six, five days a year. You've got your products that can reach markets really quickly at the touch of a button yeah. instantly throughout the year rather than a two-day event. You know what I'll do, Dan um, and Jen? I'll, if anyone wants to know more about specifics and costs, I'll put up uh, Jen and Dan's email at the end of the thing and they can yeah. email you directly about that. It's probably the best thing yeah, to do. Brilliant. Yeah, we can chat yes, about please, more yeah. thought, thought leadership stuff. And um, So uh, what else have we got here? Do, does virtual reality work for all types of fashion? Do you want to have a go at yeah, yeah, definitely. All types of fashion and many different other industries as well. I mean, we're inundated with inquiries from so many different industries. And obviously, our, our focus currently is uh, is remaining with fashion. And I think, 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we work with fast fashion brands, we work with very luxury brands, we work with accessories brands. So we were very lucky to put something together for Richemont recently, which involved a Cartier showroom, which obviously, as you can imagine, the jewellery is very small. So we had to look at ways around how we showcase that and the best way to do that. Um, but yeah, we have every type of fashion from swimwear to footwear to, you know, anything in between. I think yesterday we signed um, a hat brand. So, you know, it's it's very, very varied. Socks, socks. within sock brands. Yeah, sock brands. Okay. They, you know, there's always hundreds and hundreds of socks to showcase. So obviously we have to be very kind of inventive Co in how we do that. Yeah. yeah, and going back to the lady from Milan who mentioned, obviously the touch and feel of luxury mm -hmm. women's wear garments. Obviously, sometimes accessories can work even better because yeah. you know you, it, it's not so important for the touch and feel so yeah any any uh yeah anything that needs to be so basically the way i would say is that anything that needs to be sold online but in an immersive 3d environment face to face we, we can do it we've also got some really great tools on our b2b as well so um just very briefly we started off life as a, an econ b2b product um and we um we still use that product now um, alongside our virtual showroom. So it's connected by the info tag that you saw earlier. And on there, there's a lot of um, really great imagery and Zoom tools for, you know, fabric compositions and things like that. So you can really kind of get the feel of the garment on our B2B okay. as well as, as an addition to the showroom. Okay, we've got a hand up here. And I'm just um, uh, from Ledetta, I think that's what you say. Ledetta, I'm going to put you live. If that's okay. If you don't want to go, if you don't want to go live, then um, <laughs> put your hand down. But Okay, let me, let me hold on a second. Hang on, uh, I think I'm going to need hosting. If you're there, sorry, I'm Scarlett. I don't seem, sorry, I can't seem to, there we go, here we go. Uh, Ledetta, can you hear us? No, it doesn't seem to be working. So I'm going to have to come back to that. Oh, here we go. Yes, it's working. Ledetta, can you hear us? Hello? No, I'll give up on that one. <laughs> Never mind. Ledetta's uh, my, um, she's oh, on yeah, mute. Ledetta's she'll have to unmute herself. Okay. So maybe that's why. <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, well, she's written a question here anyway. In uh, your experience, okay. uh, countries have been the fastest to adapt to more digital retail and wholesale landscape. Are they uh, any countries or brands? Do you want to, do you want to answer that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely the USA. Yeah. Um, okay. we, we found that I think 60% of our income and inquiries are from the States at the moment. Mm. Um, that's partly due to some of the big um, competitors of ours on the B2B ordering platform side, like Jaw and New Order and companies like that. Obviously, they, they started in the States. So I think um, yeah. brands were a little bit kind of ahead over there in terms of uh, using B2B ordering systems. But yeah, certainly the states, they just seem to be um, willing to invest in tech, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe willing to accept that it's something they've got to do to stay ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. But but then um, Australia is really good, uh, Oceania and, and increasingly Europe as well. But if I had to choose one, I would say the States. The States, okay. So just to move on to a couple of these discussion points that um, we've advertised. So just tell us a little bit about catwalks, your thoughts on digital catwalks from both a B2B and a B2C. With avatars. Yeah. And, um, and also, yeah, talk about avatars if you can, because that's something yeah. I'm finding. Yeah. The, the, you know, the digital catwalk stuff I've seen on kind of digital avatars, um, it, it's obviously we, as a tech company, we, you know, we enjoy anything that embraces the use of uh, digitalization. I'm not sure really it's needed in the current situation because um, I, I, the, the one thing I would say is digital avatars, digital design is getting better and better and better from where it was a couple of years ago to now the, in, in how quickly you can deploy it and how nice it looks is, is just worlds away. But I'm not sure about digital catwalks. I think even with the pandemic, with social distancing, you can stream or, or within a virtual environment, you can do a really good live catwalk on live models. And I think there'll always be, you know, it's always nice to see how a, a garment, you know, drapes on, on, a, on a live model. But, but that said, the tech is getting better and better and better. But I think that the industry will demand it being perfect before they fully embrace 
yeah. um, the use of those type of things. I think as, as well, going back a few years, we developed some technology that we still use now. And um, and that is that we're able, as long as, um, you know, it's a pre-recorded fashion show, we're able, or if it's live, we know the order, we're able to actually allow buyers to buy from the moving image. And there's a way that we can still do that. So there's so many yeah. different ways around using actual catwalks that it really would seem a shame to kind of to lose that process because it is really the creative part of fashion. Yeah, and then talk a little bit about the avatar aspect of it, because that's something I find fascinating at the moment. It's just like almost you to actually go and get yourself styled within like that. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, and be, yeah. particularly, you know, I was telling you before we went on the webinar about there's, there was a business that does makeup avatars to be able to you know, change your face, yeah. not change your face, but change the makeup on your face. And it's just be able to do that in, in you know quicker than you can do in real life. I mean, just mm. let us know yeah. your thoughts yeah. on what you think about um, no, the, or, I think augmented reality is really good. So there's a lot yeah. of tech now around, isn't there, with retail e-com where you can create an avatar yourself and then you can see yourself in the clothes on the avatar and you can even, you know, shape the dimensions of your body and everything else to, to see how certain things will fall on you. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. Anything that can help replicate a, a you know, a, a real-life kind of situation is well worth doing. I think... Digital design, though, is is a really good discussion point all, all the way through. I mean, um, I, I'm not sure if Danny, if you can make Danny the host, she'll show you um, an example. Danny, of can digital you? Design. Yeah. yeah um, digital design for garments is undoubtedly, undoubtedly the future. If there was a stock market indice on digital design, I would put everything I got into it because right. it's inevitable uh, with how well it's going. So, just this is just a 2D image, obviously, but we just want to quickly call it up but that there is not a, a photograph of a Louis Vuitton bag it's a it's a digital design um there's there's basically you, you know there's an it's, oh, it's okay. a 3d model you can open up look inside it turn it around and things like that <laughs> and, and the models are getting better and better and better um Perry Ellis International out of Miami a huge multinational 80 odd brands thousands hundreds and thousands of distributors agents offices sub offices all around the world for their 80 brands, I think they produce something like 300,000 samples a year uh, that go to, to all these places. Now, um, they're committed to eradicating the use of physical samples uh, within about 12 to 18 months, I think, and make them all digital. Right. So, first of all, you've got cost saving because you're making one set of digital samples, not, you know, 300 sets, 500 sets, whatever it is. Two, the environment. And, you know, just just making and then getting rid of hundreds of thousands of samples just for a selling season. I, I mm. think it's outrageous anyway. Mm. Um, so this is the sustainability aspect, but then, and this is crucial, it's, it's the um, consistency of design at the manufacturing stage. So lots of companies are starting to use 3D digital design for the manufacturing process, for consistency across factories and things. But then we can take these assets, put them in a virtual showroom and a bike can go in, pick it up, turn it around, Put it on a desk make an assortment so yeah. digital design is is the future it's something that we're investing in and um and going back to the sales process and i, I you know the richer the asset we get from the brand the better the, the virtual showroom the ones that are are investing in in digital design are the ones who who have the better looking showrooms yeah i can i, think, I can sorry i can feel the touch and feel brigade barking <laughs> at me now. i can feel oh i can touch oh i can't feel it touch it i can feel I it think, oh yeah. And again, that's why we say it isn't a replacement. And I think yeah. from a from a sustainability point of view, we've really got to take that into account, because if you look at an organization like Perry Ellis, for example, and the hundreds or sometimes thousands of sample sets that they're creating and then I'm not sure if they, they do, but, you know, that there are a lot of really large brands that those then go on to burn those samples you know it's it's such an awful um thing for the environment if it, from a sustainability point of view we we absolutely have to look at new ways of doing things and that that comes from not just digital yeah. design but travel and everything else that's involved with with digital design as well dale um it used to be quite punitive to produ to produce them and um, it would take an artist like you know weeks and weeks yeah, and weeks yeah, to yeah. do something of quality now you can turn them around in a matter of days so the cost has come right down as well yeah. so it's one of those things where more and more people do them because originally it was too costly and now it's getting more accessible to all and you've also got 3d printing as well haven't you which is now exactly. something else yeah, yeah. exactly exactly yeah. so just to clarify where we're up to at the moment because we've got 15 20 minutes left so we've talked about virtual showrooms virtual trade shows We've talked a little bit about catwalks. We've talked a bit about avatars. I'd love to carry on talking about avatars because I find it really <laughs> interesting. 
And now we've talked about digital design, which as believe it or not, I've, I went to uni as a designer and I just remember the technology was kind of around then, but nowhere near what it is now. Yeah. And that ability to design products without all that sampling and all that kind of stuff is, yeah. is fascinating. Um, we've got a few more questions here. There's a few in the Q&A actually, Dan and Jen. I don't know, you can actually answer them live. There's one from the Pepe Jeans group. I think that's the one about costs. Um, and there's another one about how um, how people how can people feel feel attached to digital items what are the feeling feelings of interest you you can answer them directly if you, either you want to um on the q a aspect if, whatever yeah, yeah whatever whatever works um, but this one in the chat chat room is really interesting sorry um focusing on quantities point of view would it be a struggle for companies should it be should it be developed a new kind of buyer merchandising role which is actually very interesting because we're doing a, a webinar about buy, how buying a merchandising roles are changing are there any stats to talk about how uh, your platform has, has helped change sales? Uh, can you, do you want to sort of respond to that? Who wants to pick that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we, 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 we can't obviously um, comment on individual brands, yeah. um, but, and you have to look at it in context. So when, when lockdown happened and the, pande the dreadful pandemic, there were brands that used us and then there were brands that did their selling by Zoom or sending lookbooks or, PDFs or whatever, and I think you have to measure it against that, not what it was before. Mm. That said, we have um, a couple of customers who are in, Ameri in America who run their whole wholesale business for us, and some big buyers, Bloomingdale's, Saks, you mm. know, all, all the big ones, and they reported they they'd they factored in a twenty five to thirty percent reduction on sales because of the pandemic, and they actually had a twelve percent increase on sales from the same period last year. Whether that's just down to, the, to, to us, I don't know. But what they put it down to was they could reach more buyers. Yeah. Because in the showroom, in the huge showroom in the middle of New York, they can only see a finite number of people a week per salespeople. On digital, they could see far more. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I think that and, and if the results speak for themselves. So we're delighted with that. Also, Jen touched on it earlier, the fact that even before the pandemic, people could go to a physical showroom Buyers always feel really rushed. Uh, you know, they, mm. they, they've got to pick 25 items from 600 for their little section of their store and merchandise it in their mind or on a rail in, in, in an hour. Um, what they were doing with us then is going back to the office or home, clicking the virtual link and spending a bit more time on their assortment. Yeah. That was resulting in, in bigger orders as well. So just to clarify with that as well, the, the brand doesn't have to be in there with the buyer. So it can be a really easy process for mm. the buyer to have the link and just pop in there on their own and mm. just feel very kind of relaxed and at ease about doing that. And then if they did have a question, they can arrange a further appointment with the brand yeah. to meet them in there. But to Dale, talking about... The, the visual merchandising aspect of, of that question. There's a product we've got in development now, which we're really excited about. Um, called, we, we've actually built it, but we haven't launched it yet. It's called Assortment Builder. Uh, and effectively, it'll allow people to, uh, buyers to go into the showroom um, and merchandise an empty rail like they do in real life. So mm -hmm. they'll, they'll drag and drop off one rail and merchandise an empty rail. Now, even excitingly, what we're going to develop now is replicas of the main department stores so say, for example, Saks, um, Saks handbag floor, um, yeah. and they're buying handbags from one of our brands, uh, customers wholesale, the buyer will be able to, one, create an assortment by drag and dropping bags from where they're set to a table or wherever they do it in real life. They'll then be able to send that selection to a replica of their store. So yeah. it's doing the virtual merchandising for them as well, or, mm -hmm. or, or be it. Um, part of it so again helping to create efficiencies mm -hmm. in the fashion supply chain and the part of the question is talking about are we going to develop a new kind of buyer and merchandiser role you've got any thoughts on that because yeah, I, I think, think I've got a feeling yeah. that role's been changing for a while but but sorry, it has been yeah, I was gonna say it has been changing definitely. And I think um that role is obviously encompassing more of the, the online B2C experience mm -hmm. as well. And I think um, you know, it's something that we're we're kind of learning along the way, really. So we have a number of people internally that that do a kind of similar role or work with with that that role within the brand, but we are seeing a change in how you know they want to be able to, to merchandise their virtual showrooms. And one of the things that we touched on earlier is 
you are very limited, I think, in terms of a physical space. So that mm -hmm. role will be more about using the imagination and finding the more exciting and immersive ways to be able to sell to brands. So mm -hmm. it's not now, it's not just about merchandising a store or a window or a showroom. Now it, it can be about merchandising absolutely anything that you want. So it's a, yeah. it's a really big change, I think. One thing I would say to follow on to, to that part of the question, the buyer's role, it's really interesting because just like real life, just like the physical world and the traditional world, the buyer is the most important person. Yeah. In, in Brand Lab, the buyer is not our customer. For us, the customer is the brand or the agency or the distributor or whoever, the vendor effectively. But it's almost more important for our customers' customers, the buyer, to like our product than our customers because it's about them, isn't it? Yeah. Now, yeah. with that in mind, and Jen just touched on it, a lot of the new developments that we've got planned now are from feedback from from buyers. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Assortment builder was feedback from a, a senior buyer in Saks in the US who said, oh, it'd be mm -hmm. great if I could just pull that off the shelf and create my assortment on this desk. Mm -hmm. So so the buyers are giving us enormous feedback of how to ex deploy and accelerate the tech. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, just try and get through a few, few more questions. There's one here about the feel, feeling experience. I think we've touched on that a little bit. Um, yeah. How can yeah? How can people feel touched digital items? There's so much we could talk about in this webinar. We haven't got enough time, unfortunately. But um, is there a possibility that digital design and 3D catwalks will overpower the physical fashion show in the future? That's quite an interesting question. Um, yeah, Jen, I you're itching. <laughs> I think that that's not just a question for fashion, really. That's kind of a question for the whole world, isn't it? You know, will digital mm. take over in future? And, you know, I hope not because it's a bit of a scary experience. And, you know, I, hopefully there'll still be a, a huge human element involved. And I don't think it will take over. I think it will enhance the industry. And I think it will assist people in their roles. Um, mm. And certainly from a sustainability point of view, which is really important to us. And I know a lot of other companies, um, you know, is certainly going to help in that aspect cost as well. So I don't think it will ever take over completely yeah. unless we have a world kind of run by robots and things like that which <laughs> I, sure is I, i'd like to expand on that because it's a really interesting question um i hope that it doesn't take fashion shows over who doesn't like going to fashion shows i mean we were lucky to speak at miami fashion week and and the ritz and the the glam of it all is amazing but the fact is there is too much travel in the fashion supply chain and it's put and margins are squeezing it there's only much profit in a garment and i think when you see big retailers go bust and big brands go into administration of things, the fashion supply chain gets squeezed and there's so much travel and socializing and all the things we love in the supply chain. It's inevitable the digital will take over a huge mm -hmm. swathe of that. Yeah. But, but I, I think if you look at fashion shows as the kind of icing on the cake, the kind of the best thing about all fashion, then, you know, they'll always exist. But... Mm -hmm look how virtual and digital is making more people access it. I mean, I, I just noticed across the top, someone mentioned diversity and how can it embrace yeah. diversity? Well, it, 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 it can in so many ways, because if, if you use tech, we can all be at Miami Fashion Week in the front row watching it. Yeah. We can mm -hmm. all be in Shanghai, we can all be in New York. And, and in terms of connecting people, I mean, our product, we, we've had situations where we've had a, fa a young fashion designer from Malaysia sell to a, a Finnish boutique on our platform from Cardiff in Wales, yeah. you know, yeah. so it, we, you can bring people together in minutes, bring products together in minutes. You know, you could go on LinkedIn, send your virtual showroom link to a buyer in South America, say, click here, meet me in there, and you're in there together live face to face mm. in your showroom. So I think it can do all those things and enhance them. But uh, well, I think brands, when, when they're on a product like yours, it's almost a little bit us now we've gone online. It's you, you just have to be diverse because it's a diverse yeah. industry and it's yes. global, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, another one here coming in um, from Vanessa. I understand the US and Europe is moving forward quickly with the online shopping. How about Asia? Question mark. I live in Thailand for six years. I see digital development but very slow. What's your opinion on what they should do to speed up this process? Any thoughts on that at all? Or? Yeah, I think Asia is is a kind of an area that we're, we're looking to, to look at early next year. And I think in terms of consumer buying in Asia, it's still that VIP experience. And I think mm -hmm. there's still a lot of kind of VIP direct consumer selling, if you like. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult with digital. And one of the things that is, is really important, I think, is that we, we try and use digital to kind of create the, that 
VIP buyer experience as well from a consumer point of view and from a wholesale point of view. So I think that's quite an, an important thing for us to, to look at in Asia. And, and I think it's a different way of, of selling in Asia, definitely. There are many luxury brands that obviously, are, you know, have got huge markets in that part of the world. So it's, uh, it's certainly really important for us to look at that very early on in the next year. And I, I think it's a huge growing market for digital in Asia, mm-hmm. because one of the reasons I mentioned America was one of the uh, the foremost countries that are kind of adopting digital. Um, one of those reasons is ge- geography, because mm-hmm. they have to travel so far to go to shows. You know, they used to, you know, the old fashioned agents used to take a collection in a van and drive 600 miles up the coast to see a, a boutique or whatever. And obviously those margins are being squeezed. Asia is the same because it's so vast. Mm-hmm. So I think it's primed to, to, you know, have digitized trade shows and showrooms and things like that in Asia d- due to the sheer scale of the geography out there. Yeah. But interestingly, although they're not early adopters of, of using the tech. Um, most of some of the best artists and 3D digital designers and architectural yeah. visualizers are in Asia. Are in Asia. And, and it's, it's a growing market over there. Yeah. And I think just again, slightly different way of kind of, of working in those areas is that a lot of the brands that we know are never licensed for that particular area. So we're yeah. speaking with the licensees of, of very large brands and looking at ways that we can work with a number of their brands at the same time, creating a, you know, a really open kind of experience for buyers. So that's something that, you know, we'll yeah. be working on very soon. Fantastic. Um, I'm coming to the end of the webinar now, um, but before I ask my uh my final question is anybody out there have got any other questions um, sorry if we haven't answered all your questions i think we've answered most but is anyone out there is anyone out there wants to speak to us dying for someone to put their hand up and speak to us if you do, put your hand up we want, we want to hear voices um because that's one thing well proper voices not the ones in your head i'm talking about <laughs> but anyone that any other questions um if not um i'll sort of start to um, just ask the last couple of things I wanted to talk to okay. uh, you about, and that is from both the B to B and B to C point of view. Just talk us through what you're going to see, sort of the future of uh, of VR within fashion. You know, and I guess the future isn't really that far away, really, because things are changing so fast. So, what do you see is happening, and what are you guys planning in terms to respond to how things yeah. are changing? Um, okay, well, well, in, in B to C, I touched on it earlier. Um, it's going to be virtual shop and experiences where you, you are walking around a store you, you, you know, with okay. avatars, possibly. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, Dale, you've seen um, one, one of our products in development where you have an avatar and literally walk around a store, walk around the shelf, click a yeah. button, links up to the product page of the e-com site, and you can purchase directly yeah. from there. But crucially, you can engage with people, you can talk to people, you can be sold to. People like to be sold to. They like the experience. Yeah. Um, that's, that's certainly going to happen. Um, I, I think then you'll see in, in B2C kind of more creative aspects of doing it. So again, when, when people design their shops, they do it in a particular way that suits the store that they purchase or their lease in. And mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier with, with VR, you can create anything at all. So it's going to be more themed. So, you know, it could be, I, I know shops are themed to a certain extent, but if it's a swimwear brand, um, then, you know, you could be on a virtual beach, walking around a virtual beach and, and, and seeing the, the, the items on models and things like that. So just very much more of the same. And like anything with tech, the, the more it gets developed, it becomes cheaper to use, cheaper to deploy mm-hmm. and, um, and easier to use. And I think it's going to increase on B2C. Yeah. I think from our, our perspective as a, as a company, we're just going to continue to develop our product to make it easier to use, more accessible, more, more detailed. So I know we talk about touch and feel, but again, just more detail on products, um, you know, 360 views in every aspect of the showroom and things like that. And, you know, there's, there's loads that we can do. Um, there's lots of things we've got coming out in the near future as well. But I think we just see ourselves doing more of the same, but just developing it to make it the very best it can be. The, the, the one thing I would say that we're determined to do in uh, 2021, one, one thing I say, we deal with some of the biggest brands in the world, some of the most famous names, but we'll also do virtual showrooms for one-man band designers, brand new designers, people just at his university. And I think what we'd like to do is kind of democratize fashion in a way, because it'd be so difficult for that person at the university, no matter how good their product is, to get in front of top buyers, get in front mm-hmm. of people who could really help drive their business. You know, and even in trade shows, you know, it's um, quite often it's the bigger guys who, who, who do well because, you know, they have better stands, better marketing and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, we feel by the use of technology where you could send a link and get in front of someone within seconds or minutes 
rather than a big effort and a big builder. We do think it can democratise, hopefully, some younger designers who are really talented to get in front of audiences they wouldn't normally be able to get in front of. So yeah. that's one of our missions going into next year. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully we can be successful in that. I think with the fashion calendar as well, that's something that we really are hoping to change. And, and again, to make more accessible, whether even, you know, big designers, large companies, small companies. And, and I think that so many people, like I said previously, are, are really frustrated by that, that fashion calendar that yeah. is so rigid mm-hmm. um, that people can be a little bit more creative in their, in their own kind of the way that they sell and the way that they have access to their buyers. And I think that's really important going forward, certainly with, you know, all of the economy looking like it is at the moment, people need every chance to be able to reach as many buyers as possible. And that shouldn't be restricted by, you know, a kind of a higher level organisation in terms of how you sell. So I think that's really important to us, just kind of direct and very fast access to, to customers, really. Yeah, and I think it's this whole COVID situation and the, the, the fact that businesses like yours have just risen to the challenge has changed mm-hmm. the whole wholesale model altogether, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just the whole model of wholesaling, the whole model of direct consumer. It's just, I'm, I'm at, it's really interesting because I mean, Dan, we've published a, a vlog, haven't we, of you talking about yeah. this on our um, Facebook page. Um, for those asking questions as well, we do, this will be on our Facebook page. Sorry, Dan's videos on our LinkedIn page, but this um, webinar will be on our Facebook and our YouTube page if you want to watch it again or if you want to pass it on to anybody. But it's been really interesting. And the conversations I'm having here at the Fashion Network about all of this is just, it's just changing week to week and month to month, you know, the whole model's changing. I don't know if there's anyone out there exactly knows what the model's going to be in the next six to 12 months, to be honest. I don't know, you know, if you feel the same. I I do. It's changing all the time. Um, But but I just think what's not in doubt is that the onset of digitization is just Mm going to accelerate more and more and more and more. Um, even if this dreadful, dreadful pandemic went away and, and, you know, and never came back again in any way, it still made people realize that digital, it doesn't have to replace existing models. It's a complementary enhancement to the distribution channels and it can create so many efficiencies. I just think that anyone listening, whether it's a student or a brand or a buyer or anyone in between, um, the more focus I think of your time you put on coming to terms with digital and virtual reality and those type of technologies, the better, because however the landscape looks, it's going to be around digital. And, and do you know what? Even if COVID didn't happen, it would have happened anyway because of market forces. Yeah. That The fact yeah. is the fashion supply chain is being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed for all the obvious reasons we know. And if, if digital can create efficiencies or enhancements in that supply chain, um, all the better. So whatever happened, whatever happens, we believe the future is, is certainly digital. Yeah, I think we're, it's kind of our aim to, to monitor the situation as we go forward, whether it be with a pandemic or just changes in the industry and just be really reactive to that and to, to continue to talk to our customers, to take feedback, to find out what they want and find the best ways of, of developing that and uh, you know, allowing people to kind of uh, be really involved in our process as well going forward. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Our hour is up and we've still got questions coming in. So I'm sorry about this. Um, I've, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share your email and there's one about Thank courses. There's, there's a few here. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to bring up our closing slide. Sorry for those we haven't answered those questions. But if you want to get in touch with um, a brand up fashion, here is the email. Um, hold on. Sorry. There we go. Um, my um, Zoom bar is in front of it. There we go. So it's hello, brandlabfashion.com. Uh, our fashion network emails above that if anyone wants to chat to us as well but um yeah so i've there's been a couple of people already asking down about costs and stuff like that so i've just emailed them your email um any other questions guys after this feel free to email one of us either dan and jen or ourselves and we'll do our best to follow up with it apologies if we've not been able to answer everyone's questions but um normally if this was a live event we would say thank you in the round of applause and we'd probably go to the bathroom and have a glass of champagne Another glass of champagne, exactly. So, guys, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to leave this slide up for for everybody who's in the audience, and I'll leave it up for about another minute or so, so you can copy it down. Um, Dale, I was just going to just say very quickly, if anyone wants like an individual demo, um, some of our staff are on this call, and we we have uh, staff that speak uh, French, Italian, Spanish, and other languages. 
Um, if anyone wants, you know, um, a demo in their language or whatever, please get in touch on hello at brandoflash.com about whatever you want to talk about. And we, uh, we we do love talking to everyone about this. So please get in touch and we'll look forward to um, further chats. Fantastic. Is there one in Welsh as well, Dan? Or, uh, or... <laughs> no, no. Oh, actually, yeah, Danny, that went Danny on you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a Welsh speaker. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Jolch and Val. And um, thank, thank I'll you. leave this up for everybody thanks. here. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave it up for a minute or two. Thanks, guys. I'll speak to you Lovely. soon. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Really thank enjoyed it. So thank you.